And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today, folks. Now, instead of a monologue to open the program, today we're going to have a dialogue with uh, a, a friend of mine who I really greatly admire. We have on the air with us right now, Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. Senator, welcome to The Awakening. Thanks for taking time out of what we know has got to be a busy schedule in Washington, D.C. Well, E.W., it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me. Okay, look, you are a senator from Texas. Your state is on the front line of this border crisis that we are facing right now. What do you tell them? We've got a lot of listeners from Texas. What, what do you say to not only Texans, but to the American people who are watching this drama unfold, and frankly, to the detriment of the entire American population? Well, it, it, is, it is horrifying. It is an absolute crisis. You know, a couple of months ago, I brought 19 senators down to the border, to the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, to see firsthand what's happening there. And, and I've been to the border many, many times representing Texas. It is worse than I've ever seen it. It, it is, we just in the past week crossed the threshold of over one million illegal immigrants who have entered this country illegally under Joe Biden. We have the highest rate of illegal immigration in 21 years. It is a humanitarian disaster. It is a public health disaster. It is a national security disaster. When we were down in the Rio Grande Valley, we saw the Biden cages, massive cages that have been built to house thousands upon thousands of people, little boys and little girls packed in on top of each other. When we were there, the rate of COVID positivity was over 10%. And E.W., I'll tell you, just this week, the Mayor McAllen announced that the Biden administration in the last five months has released over 7,000 illegal aliens into McAllen who are COVID positive. Over 7,000. Just last week, the Biden administration released 1,500 illegal aliens into McAllen who are COVID positive. To give you a sense of the scale of that, in 2019, the population of McAllen was 141,000. 7,000 is 5% of the population of that city now consists of illegal aliens with COVID that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have released. It is, it is ridiculous, and all of this is the result of political decisions made by Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris. Well, look, I don't mind telling my audience, I voted for you in 2016 in the primary. You. you were my choice for president. And one of the things I've always appreciated about you is your adherence to the Constitution. It does seem that we are entering an era where the Democrat Party and, and the left simply doesn't care about the Constitution or their, their oath to it or abiding by the laws of the land. How do we restore that so that we get no matter who's in office, no matter who's serving us, they understand they have a responsibility to adhere to the Constitution. Well, it, it's a huge problem, and, and you're right. What we've seen is the Democratic Party has been taken over by the extreme left. And, and so the people setting the agenda are people like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and AOC. And 
on every issue, today's Democratic Party is is captive of the extreme left, whether it is the the avowed socialists who are pushing things like the Green New Deal, whether it is the, the, the radical left racists who are pushing critical race theory and spreading lies to our kids and in our businesses and throughout our government, or whether it is on the border, the open border radicals. And, and, and their view is the law doesn't matter, that, 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 that they are pushing their agenda, doesn't matter what federal statutes say, doesn't matter what the Constitution says. You asked, how do we fix it? Look, the only answer is for the voters to repudiate this radical lawlessness. The reason we have a crisis at the border was three decisions that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris made in the very first week in office. Number one, they immediately halted construction of the border wall. Number two, they reinstated the failed catch-and-release policy. And number three, and this is the most indefensible, they ended the incredibly successful Remain in Mexico international agreement that President Trump had negotiated with the government of Mexico, which had resulted in the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. It was working just six months ago. We had the lowest rate of illegal immigration in 45 years. Today, we have the highest rate of illegal immigration in 21 years. And it is because Joe Biden and Kamala Harris refused to follow the law. As you know, the Constitution, Article 2 of the Constitution, gives the president an obligation to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have zero interest in doing so. They will not enforce the law. The only way to end that is to beat them and beat them badly in 2022 and 2024 and cause the Democratic Party to realize embracing the radical left is a path to electoral defeat. Are you concerned at all about the people who say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sick of it, I'm not voting because they're going to cheat anyway? Um, are we doing enough to assure conservative traditionalists out there that we're going to actually have fair and free elections in 2022 and, and going forward? So I am concerned about that, and I think if people stay home, we will lose our country. If people stay home because they doubt the integrity of the election, that's what it will take for the radical left to destroy this nation that we love so much. Look, vote, vote, vote integrity, election integrity is incredibly important. It's an issue I have fought for for decades. When I was the Solicitor General of Texas, I led a coalition of states before the U.S. Supreme Court defending the constitutionality of voter ID, photo ID for voting. We won 6-3, a landmark decision, and, and I think protecting the integrity of elections is incredibly important. I, I share the concerns of a great many people that fraud is, is a real problem and we need to do much more to fight it. Now, what's going to happen in the next two years and four years? The United States Congress is going to do absolutely nothing to enhance election integrity. And the reason is Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, who control the House and Senate, they don't want to enhance election integrity. They made the decision that election fraud benefits Democrats. So the chances that this Democratic Congress will do anything good on election integrity are 0.00%. The chances that the Biden administration will do anything positive on election integrity are 0.00%. So what do we do? Number one, in red states, in states where we have Republican governors, Republican legislatures, we're seeing those states 
leading on election integrity. That is a good thing. We should be encouraging states like Texas and Georgia that are standing up and leading and, 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 and being demagogued in the press for doing so. But, but number two, in other states, if you're in a blue state, the Democratic politicians in your state, they don't want election integrity because they think it benefits them to make fraud easy. Here's the answer. We've got to win by a big enough margin in 2022 and a big enough margin in 2024 that they can't steal it from us. If the election is close, if it's really narrow, that's when it is particularly subject to fraud. If you win in a clear and decisive victory, they can't steal it. And that's if we want to save this country, which I know you do desperately, I want to desperately, I know your listeners love America and want to save this, this incredible, this shining city on a hill, then the only answer we have in front of us is win by a big enough margin that they can't steal the election from us. You, Senator, I know you've got to go in a second, but we got to uh, – I, I guess that's going to do it, Senator. Hey, listen, thanks so much for taking the time. Come back again soon, okay? I look forward to it. God bless. Thanks for all you do, EW. All right. God bless you too. Stand by, folks. We'll be back in a moment. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. What is the American creed? That is a question David Gelertner asks in his book, America Light. He has been on my radio program to talk about his book and his op-ed that appeared in the Wall Street Journal. He is a fascinating individual. He received two degrees in classical Hebrew literature, but then became a professor of computer science at Yale University. Some have called him a rock star in the world of computing. You might remember that he was one of the people who was critically injured when he opened a mail bomb sent by the Unabomber. He believes that we need to return to the principles that made this country great. Unfortunately, he says, many of us don't know what they are or think they can't work. He blames the public schools and the academy for this failure to pass on the basic ideals that have served America so well for centuries. He laments that almost no one believes that our public schools are doing a passable job of teaching American and Western civilization. Textbooks and class lectures in our education system today often start with the assumption that America and Western ideals are bad for civilization. He concludes that many American children have never heard a good word for the United States, the West, Judaism, or Christianity their whole lives. He also laments that our American culture is in the hands of intellectuals, which he says are usually people born with high IQ and low common sense. He gives lots of examples of this. You can probably think of many other examples of people who are very bright but lacking in basic common sense. America's creed is quite simple. Freedom, equality, democracy, and America as the promised land. The early founders believed in America as a city on a hill, as did many presidents right up to President Reagan. It is time to use our American creed to evaluate those who are teaching our kids and those who are leading our nation. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Antisemitism, go to viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. Viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. Steve Russo with Real Answers. Think about it. There are at least two people in this world that you would die for. At least 15 people in this world love you in some way. The only reason anyone would ever hate you is because they want to be just like you. A smile from you can bring happiness to anyone, even if they don't like you. 
Every night, someone thinks about you before they go to sleep. You mean the world to someone. Somebody you don't even know exists loves you. When you make the biggest mistake ever, something good comes from it. When you think the world has turned its back on you, take another look. Always remember the compliments you receive. Forget about the rude remarks. You are special and unique. Just ask God. He made you. Life is complex, but the truth is simple. For real answers to real issues, log on to Steve's website, www.realanswers.com. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. All right, folks, that was Senator Ted Cruz, uh, somebody I've known for a number of years. His father and I are close friends, and I was glad to have him on. And we'll, we're going to start getting him and some other representatives uh, of our government on from time to time, so at least you can hear what they have to say, and, and maybe from time to time get them on when they have enough time that we can take some of your questions and comments. But you can feel free to comment on anything that you heard the senator say. Uh, I wanted to ask him the question about the Constitution because— I am convinced that the Constitution is already a dead letter in the hearts and minds of most of the left in our country. They, they don't care about it. They, in fact, they dismiss it as a racist document, and something that nobody needs to pay any attention to. And we, we have seen that evidenced in their behavior toward it and their willingness to exercise this unconstitutional authority willy-nilly, just, just kind of do whatever they want to do. Um, and then as Governor Murphy of New Jersey famously said, oh, I don't pay any attention. I didn't pay any attention to the Constitution. That's above my pay grade. Yeah, but you took a little, little thing called an oath to that Constitution. And, and that Constitution, folks, is the most successful governing document in the history of the world. Do you know, according to studies I've read, on average, constitutions in countries around the world change every 17 years. Now think about that. Constitutions, countries change their constitutions. I mean, in other words, throw one out, bring another one in every 17 years on average. See, Great Britain has no written constitution, so they've, that's how they've avoided that. We have a constitution that has lasted uh, what it was um, passed in 1787, uh, ratified in 1789. Uh, what is that? So it is um, 230. This is 21. So it's 230. What is it? One years old? I think it's 231 years old, if I'm not mistaken. If my math is right. Folks, that is approaching a quarter of a millennium. That is unheard of. Unheard of. And you got these idiots running around our country who haven't drafted a set of bylaws that anybody cares about, but they think somehow they know better of what the Constitution is, is not, should, should not be, and that we are basically ought to just throw it out because it was passed by a bunch of racist Slave owners, anyway. You know, I've been uh, talking about this. I'm going to share something from this professor uh, in a second, but I've been talking about this. I have coined a new phrase. It may not be new to me, but I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it. 
and I call this Americanism, Americanism. And what I'm suggesting by that is that we need to have a cogent study, uh, scholars who under that banner help the American people understand why we are the most successful nation in the history of the world. See, I think that that's what we ought to be studying, not the stupid CRT. Because look, we're not genetically superior people. We know that. We're not less sinful than people in other parts of the world. We know that. But what we are is a nation that's founded on better principles than any other nation ever has. And it has been adherence to and being reminded of and having our consciences pricked by those principles that have made us the most stable republic in human history. Now say, and the most stable because we have had election after election after election. Um, frankly, I think this last one was the most bold effort. And not, not that there hasn't been cheating in past elections. I'm sure you all have heard and read that, uh, that, a lot of people believe that Joseph Kennedy stole the election for John Kennedy by using the mafia in Chicago to manufacture the votes needed to make sure that John Kennedy won Illinois, which put him over the top, or certainly helped. Mayor Daley um, manufacturing votes, votes in Chicago to make sure he won. So this is not the first time cheating in elections has been discussed and not the first time it's happened. I read a, a book about L.B. Jay and and in that book it, it was it was pretty much admitted it was written by him written about him but pretty much documented that uh, one of his elections they just basically just you know how many votes do you need and they just got them <laughs> but this is the first time in my memory that I'm aware of that an entire political party set out to cheat, break the rules, do whatever was needed in order to assure the outcome that they wanted. See, the John Kennedy situation, that was his dad. Not that Democrats weren't complicit or cooperative, but still that was, that was Joseph P. Kennedy. And with LBJ, that was kind of the, 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 the Texas... Democratic mafia at the time, kind of, you know, well, you, you're the guy we've chosen. The votes will be there. Don't worry about that. <laughs> you know? But this is the first time in my memory that the that an entire party set out. I won't call it a conspiracy, but I would certainly call it a cooperative arrangement to do whatever needed to be done in order to cheat, in order to assure that the election outcome. Now, I can't sit here behind this mic and say to you, I am absolutely certain that had the cheating not happened, that the outcome would have been different. I can't say that because I just don't have the evidence. I can tell you that's what I believe. <laughs> I can tell you that I believe the outcome probably would have been different. And I believe that as these audits come in, I think we're going to hear some shocking things as these audits come in of these various states on what happened. What I can tell you unequivocally is that there was cheating. I mean, we know that the law was broken. Uh, J. Christian Adams, 
who runs the public interest law firm, is a, is a an election expert, makes clear they they broke rule after rule after. I'm not talking about some sort of regulatory thing. They broke the law again and again and again and again in the 2020 elections using COVID as a justification. They did not follow the rules that the legislatures set forth because they were they felt they had a justification. And, you know, it's better to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. And they just did what they felt they needed to do in order to make sure that the votes were there to bring about the outcome they wanted. And, and yeah, do I believe that the outcome was probably altered by the shenanigans they engaged in? Yep, I believe it probably was. I just can't, I can't prove it and say to you definitively, I've got the evidence sitting in front of you. But I think there's been enough said and the, enough evidence out there that one could reasonably come to the conclusion, yeah, that's that's probably what happened. You know, that's it had to happen. They were so full of hatred for President Donald Trump that they simply had to do something. They had to do something about him. And and, and to this day, and notice something. It's just like I've said: you don't hear the left talk about freedom. It's because they don't value it. They just don't value it. So you don't ever hear them talking about freedom through this whole COVID thing. You don't hear them talking about, well, you know, now, wait a minute. We have a constitution. Our, our, we are free people. Let's make sure that we're not violating the rights of our people as we seek to solve this problem. You don't hear them talk that way. They just do what they want to do. And you don't hear them talk about election integrity. Think about that. You don't hear that. Oh, there's no fraud. Nothing wrong with our elections. I mean, you would think that that they would say it is important that we have election integrity. I'm willing to look at that. I don't think there's anything seriously wrong with our election process, but I'm always willing to look at it and make sure that we can improve it and we eliminate the possibility of fraud or cheating in the elections. That's not that's not partisan. That's that ought to be something that every American wants. But the notice they don't. The left doesn't. The Democrat Party doesn't because they want to be able to cheat. I think they want to have illegal immigrants immigrants voting. I think they want to have dead people voting. I think they want to have anybody voting they need to have voting, whether they exist or not, in order to assure the outcome of the election. As I've said before, folks, communists have elections, but the outcomes are predetermined. Okay, I didn't mean to get into all that, but look, I said all that as a prelude to say this. There is a professor of pediatrics and, and molecular virology at Baylor University. His name is Dr. Um, uh, no, what's this guy's name? I'll get it in a second. But, but at any rate, he is saying that anybody who speaks against the science of COVID or speaks against Dr. Anthony Fauci should be subject to fines and imprisonment. It should be established as a federal hate crime. No, folks, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. This is what this man is saying. That anybody who speaks against science as they understand it, against Dr. Fauci, because after all, he is the representative of science, should be subject to fines and imprisonment and it should be deemed 
a hate crime. Now, I know you think, well, that's way out. Okay, some, some in that case believes that nonsense. But folks, let me remind you of something. This is how critical race theory started. This is exactly how it started. But guess what's happened? It spilled out beyond these crazy professors and now it's gotten into every aspect of our culture. I just want you to see how they think. Back in a moment. It's my turn. Here is your host for my turn, Don Wildman. As a student at Emory University in Atlanta, I used to occasionally go down to the First Methodist Church to hear the minister, the late Pierce Harris, preach. For many years, Dr. Harris served the church as minister, and his Sunday evening services were attended by people from all over the country. Dr. Harris once told a very dramatic and moving story about an incident which happened to him during his ministry. He was invited once to speak at a prison work camp. The prisoners were out in the open, and Dr. Harris had to speak from the bed of a truck. When it came time to introduce the speaker, one of the prisoners mounted the truck bed to make the introduction. The prisoner began his introduction by telling a story. Several years ago, he stated, two boys lived in the same community of North Georgia. They attended the same school, played with the same bunch of boys, even went to the same Sunday school. The prisoner continued, but one of the boys dropped out of the Sunday school because he felt he had outgrown it and that it was sissy stuff. The other boy kept going because he felt it was meaningful for his life. You know, one stops at that point in the prisoner's introduction to do a little bit of thinking. What makes people drop out of Sunday school? I guess that the answer to that question is as varied as there are those who drop out. While often part of the reason is the way in which Sunday school is conducted, most of the time it's due to a lack of interest on the part of the dropout and or his parents. I guess many people don't value the worth of the Sunday school very much. If they did, they would stay with it even when it gets dry and dull or even when it appears to be a little sissy. Another thing one thinks about is what causes people to go wrong? to break the laws of society by which people live. Again, one could say that sometimes the laws aren't just and the prisoners are only victims. However, incidents of that nature are very, very few in number. In the vast majority of cases, the person sets himself above the law and ignores it. Of course, society has an influence on each person and the choices that he makes. But in the final analysis, each person chooses for himself the route his life will follow. He can choose to obey the law or to ignore it. The prisoner on the bed of the truck concluded his introduction of Dr. Harris. The boy who dropped out of Sunday school, the prisoner said, stands before you today to introduce the speaker. The boy who stayed in Sunday school is the one who will speak. Don't let anyone kid you. Your relationship to the church does have a very definite influence on the outcome of your life. Just remember this. 
Church business isn't sissy kid stuff. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. The number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. This professor is Peter Hotez. He's an MD at Baylor University. I thought that Baylor was a Christian school, too. I'm pretty sure it is, but... You know, this guy's at the School of Medicine, and apparently he's off his rocker. Here's what he says. He says, we ought to extend federal hate hate crime protections uh, to scientists to shield them from political interference. And this includes scientists at private research facilities and institutes. And then he says, we must take steps to protect them and take swift positive action to counter the growing wave of far-right anti-science aggression. Not taking action is a tacit endorsement and a guarantee that the integrity and productivity of science in the United States will be eroded or lose ground. Now, he's suggesting that somehow scientists are under, you know, they're under attack. Here we go, another victim class, the scientists. And we're all out to get the scientists. You know, these people live in a, a world that is difficult for us to understand because what they really are doing is participating in making science an idol and using it to justify a totalitarian state. I mean, that's what they're really doing. Um, and he claims... This anti-science aggression is comparable to Nazi and fascist regimes. Well, by the way, Hitler used science to do the most horrendous experiments on people. It, It would have done well for the German people had they had the ability to do it to question science. He acts like the Hitler, the whole Hitler regime was somehow against science and all the scientists got locked up. No, Hitler, Hitler was working on an atom bomb. He had Dr. Mengele doing all kinds of experiments on people trying to find um, scientific medical uh, breakthroughs. It was all evil. It was all wicked, twisted, perverse. And what we're supposed to all say, oh, but no, when, when science speaks, we just all bow down and listen. I mean, how twisted can these people be? I, I, it's, it's, it's really difficult to understand. And, and, and look, we, we Christians particularly, we love God, we love our country, we believe the Constitution is... Is, is again, the, as I said earlier, the finest governing document mankind has ever developed. And we are not interested in using our Constitution to oppress people or silence people. We are interested in it serving the liberating task it was assigned, 
when our founding fathers implemented it. it was, it's put there to secure the blessings of liberty. And, and one of those blessings is freedom of speech. But oh, no, 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 you can't have freedom of speech because you see that's anti-science and, and that should be a federal hate crime. These people have lost their minds, folks. They have literally lost their minds. It's like Fauci said, when you speak against me, you're speaking against science. Well, I speak against him and speak against science. When, when I think science is wrong. <laughs> I mean, I think the, the, the apocalyptic predictions of, of, about uh, climate change are just, <sighs> folks, I, I, you know what? I, it, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm looking for a new way <laughs> to say horse manure. But, I mean, it's, it's just, it's nonsense. But, oh, no, see, now you're anti-science. We've got an experimental drug that does seem to be effective for a lot of people, but not for all. And for some people, they're getting sick. Some people are dying. But we're just supposed to all bow down. as Oh, the, the science, we bow to it, and we just accept everything. I mean, these pe- I told folks, this is like a cult. And if you don't go along with the cult, I mean, I don't know what they want to do with you for not going along with the cult. Science is not supposed to be a cult. Science is supposed to be subject to rigorous questioning, rigorous debate, rigorous experimentation and, 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 and doubt. And um, to, to, I mean, science is supposed to be put to the test on every level. But these people act like, no, 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 the science speaks, you bow. End of discussion. There's nothing else to be said. And if you won't do that, you've committed a federal hate crime. And we're going to find you or put you in prison. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds more like the Soviet Union or communist China than the United States of America. So that's, that's what is happening. That's what's being written about and thought about and talked about in academia. We better pay attention because that's how critical race theory started. It started in academia. Just uh, again, the biggest load of horse manure, you can just take a multiple, you know what? You can take one of the longest freight trains you've ever had, you've ever seen, and just fill it all up with horse manure. Every single car filled with horse manure. Now, so much horse manure just lights, it, it just lights up the horizon. I mean, just it just stinking everywhere. And you still wouldn't quite have a full picture of just what a load of nonsense CRT is. <laughs> okay. So I hope that I hope that paints a picture. Kind of satisfies me to finally get it said without <laughs> without saying without saying anything that I think might be a little bit too far over the top. All right. The number is 888-589-8840. I want to get a couple calls in here before I have to go to the break. And I'm getting very, very close. Uh, so I'll try to come to you all in just one second. All right. Um, you know, here's, here's some, some kind of good news, some kind of good news that, uh, the Boston acting mayor actually said she is not going to have any kind of vaccine passports and she is a Democrat, but she's not having it. I'm thinking, is there, who is this woman? Where'd she come from? 
She said because it reminds her of a slave system where you, you, you're asking people for papers in order for them to be allowed to move around. Well, guess what? Guess what? Socialism is just that, folks. Slavery. All right, let's, let's try to get a couple calls in here. Let's go to Kathy in Oklahoma. Kathy, welcome. Good morning. Um, I'm going to get my tongue all twisted up here, but I was listening to you talking about doctors, and there's a couple of words that I'm going to try to pronounce, but as far as totalitarianism, a rule by doctors, I think, is called an eatocracy. And then there's a kind of illness that you get from doctors, and this is the one that my tongue's all twisted up on, but it's like eatocric illness or something like that. So they wouldn't make up illnesses that refer to doctors if doctors were always right. Ah, interesting, Kathy. Very interesting. <laughs> okay, I, that those you just introduced me to two new words for my vocabulary. Uh, Kathy, thank you so much for the call. Um, look, doctors are not infallible, right? They're simply not. Um, you know what, Jeffrey, if you're real quick, you, you can get a comment in before I have to go to a break. Jeffrey from Texas. Yes, sir. Just, I just want to point out, uh, adults already have to sign away their rights to take this COVID shot. And now we're asking parents, and under this administration, I could see them saying that for the 12 and up, which goes all the way to 26 for those that are on the parents' health care, you're asking the parents to sign away the child's rights of this, you know, human experiment, this biological therapy agent that they're pushing. I just want to push that out that yeah. I really have a concern about that. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for the call, and you should, uh, because here again, look, folks, this is nothing but a blatant unconstitutional power grab. I mean, it just it just really is. And I, we're not that here again. That's not an exaggeration to say that, because now you're not only telling every individual what they've got to do, but now you're telling families what to do with their children. Since when does the government have that right? Since when under our Constitution, like I was talking to Senator Cruz earlier about I mean, th th these people are just prepared to completely disregard the Constitution. Uh, and frankly, we're not accepting it. Back in a moment. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. Do you want your taxes to help fund abortions? The House of Representatives is about to start voting on appropriations bills. Congress has made sure to include pro-life amendments and appropriations bills for almost 40 years. But this year, the Smith Amendment, the Hyde Amendment, and others could be removed, opening the avenue for abortion funding. Please urge your representative to vote against any appropriations bills that don't prohibit taxpayer funding for abortions. Get more information at afa.net. You get the soil ready. You put the seeds in and then you water it. How do you plant a garden? I don't know. You pray that God will give you a good harvest. Then you have to 
work it to get all the weeds away. And then God brings the plants. Planting a garden takes planning, hard work, and God's blessing. So does creating a lasting legacy for the people and charities that mean the most to you. The AFA Foundation is here to help you sow the financial seeds God has blessed you with in order for them to blossom for generations to come. We do this by offering free consultation and assistance in the areas of charitable gift annuities, estate planning, will and trust planning, and bequests. To learn more, call 800-326-4543, extension 345, 800 326 4543 extension 345 or visit afafoundation.net the young man writes and he says if i tell my wife what i did she's gone she's gone but he can't live with what he's done this is focus on the family minute and pastor johnny hunt explains why he encourages men to confess sin to their wives so you lead these men to make that decision now are their wives deeply wounded and hurt, yes. Has it done a major work on trust? Absolutely. But then there comes that healing part where, you know what? He didn't have to tell me. He loves me so much, he wanted no secrets. And he's made that known. And I've watched and have story after story in print, in a file, where men have talked about this next chapter in their life, where they came clean and agreed in confession. More insights from Johnny at FamilyMinute.org. Back to the Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. All right, let's come to your calls, folks. You have been waiting patiently and uh, keeping our producers busy. So let's get to Jerry in New Mexico. Jerry, welcome. Well, thank you, Bishop, for taking my call. Sir, the people that are worshiping at the altar of science used to classify black people as lower life forms. So they're wrong there. Wow. Can they not be wrong here? Wow. Jerry, very, very excellent point. Here again, you're right. There was a time when people, in fact, I remember reading the encyclopedia uh, when I was a kid and they had racial classifications and certain characteristics that they considered to be scientifically true about certain racial groups and none of it was true. And that was supposed to all be scientific. So you, you make an excellent point there, Jerry. That's what here again. Science should be rigorously tested, debated, contradicted. It should be forced to meet the most rigorous standards because it is an unfolding discipline, just like everything else. But this kind of worship we're supposed to have is uh, it's, it's dangerous. But it's another opportunity that the left has to tell us what we have to do and how we have to think and what we can say and what we can't say. Because uh, they're now speaking suddenly, suddenly questioning a scientist or questioning whether science is accurate or true is now uh, potentially a hate crime. Wow. Thank you for the call, Jerry. Let's go to uh, Jim in Michigan. Jim, welcome. Hello. I appreciate you very much. Thank you, um, sir. My question is this. Do you, is there a book you would recommend on, that gives a thorough history of CRT 
and also what is happening with CRT today in America. One book that you would recommend for a person to read. Well, look, uh, Jim, I've only read one book on CRT, but it is called A Primer, and it is the third edition, which means it would, the first edition was 2001, which means it would take you all the way back to the early stages of CRT's development and bring you all the way up to date. And it does give you, I think, a pretty thorough list of all the scholars who are involved in this literature, uh, all the universities uh, that have been, uh, that have these kind of ethnic studies departments or or critical race departments or whatever they call them. Uh, some of them, they camouflage them, but it would give you all of that information. And I think it, it's a great place to start um, let me make sure I give you the, um, the, the title and the author. But the book is called Critical Race Theory, An Introduction. Critical Race Theory, An Introduction. And it's by Richard Delgado and Gene Stefanik. Or Stefancic. Maybe that's Stefancic. S-T-E-F-A-N-C-I-C. Critical Race Theory, An Introduction uh, by Richard Delgado and... Gene, J-E-A-N, Stefanik, S-T-E-F-A-N-C-I-C. I think, I, I, look, it gave me more than I wanted, and I don't need any more, <laughs> to tell you the truth, because it was not easy to read. I, I mean, these people are bat crazy. Thank you for the call, though, Jim. Uh, let's go to uh, Mike in Arkansas. Mike, welcome. Uh, thank you, Bishop. Uh I'm retired now, so I get to listen to your show almost every day. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad. Uh, I have a question. Uh, I, uh, I was just wondering what we are doing in a lab in China giving a virus that is already dangerous to humans uh, why are we making it more dangerous? What is this whole gain of function thing for in the first place? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't understand why we're taking something that's dangerous and why we need to be making it even more dangerous, and why we're in a lab in a communist country working on this. Uh, I haven't heard any discussion on that. Uh, can you shed any light on that? Sure, Mike, and thank you for the call, my friend. Appreciate that. And thank you for listening regularly. Um, look, all of you then have not heard the answer to Mike's question from um, uh, Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci says about the, 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 the scientists in the Wuhan lab, these are reputable scientists. Quote, these are reputable scientists. So the fact that they happen to be in a communist country and they happen to be communists and they happen to report to Xi Jinping and the, and the, the, the Communist Party of China, uh, well, come on, let's not. Why, don't, why are we being so nitpicky? I mean, after all, as President Biden said, they're good folks. Well, listen, you, you, you raise a telling point. What in the world are we doing funding any research in a Wuhan laboratory that we know is going to be either it has been or is being or will be used for biological warfare? Now, does anybody doubt that? Is anybody 
I mean, is anybody, is any American who's, who's not in the government that naive? We, of course, know they'll, they'll use this stuff for biological warfare. And frankly, in my view, they already have. And so you're right. Fauci ought to be fired. He ought to be fired as a traitor trying to justify that. What are we doing giving money to a Wuhan laboratory? Right, to, 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 to create gain of function for a, a, as you put it so well, Mike, an already deadly virus, but simply doesn't leap well from animal to human. So gain of function means, ah, let's figure out how we can make this thing leap from not only animal to human, but then leap from human to human. And let's see how we can get it to do that very efficiently. In other words, let's see what we can do to create a biological weapon. <laughs> and we're paying for it? I mean, my goodness gracious. Wow. What in the world? You know, some of these people don't have the sense God gave a gnat. They got a whole lot of education, but they're educated fools. And they want us to be fools with them. Oh, these are, these are reputable scientists. They're good folks. Yeah, right. So, excellent question. Let's keep going. The number is 888-589-8840. I got a couple lines open. We can still get some calls in. Let's go to Simon in Oklahoma. Simon, welcome. Yes, sir. The more I hear you talk, the more I like you. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, I'm the one that called the other day about the fingerprint identification ballot, and maybe you could pass that along to Ted Cruz since you know him good. Okay. But what I wanted to talk about today is this critical race theory. And uh, the best thing, the number one thing against it is Proverbs chapter 6, where it talks about six things the Lord hates, seven mm. are abomination. Yes. And it gets down to verse 19. It says, a false witness that speaks lies and he that sows discord among the brethren. So Amen. that's number one thing. In my family, I'm a white guy, but there's blacks, there's Mexicans, there's Indians, there's Asians, there's Dutch, and I don't know what all else. <laughs> so critical critical race theory is asking me to be racist against my own family and my own family to be racist against me. Simon, says, Simon, listen, you listen, Simon, you you got you got something important said there and we're get coming to the end. I want to try to get as many calls in as I can. But, man, did you say something there? Thank you so much for the call, Simon. Let's go to Carrie in Arkansas. Carrie, welcome. Oh, hi, um, Bishop. I just want to thank you so much um, for all that you do. And I look so forward to your show. Thank you, Carrie. And um, I just wanted you to pray for me because I'm in conflict with my family and children, and I'm one of eight siblings and, and five children and and four children. And I just it, it's this whole the whole vaccine that it's it's breaking us apart. And uh, my daughter then doesn't want not wanting me to come up to Illinois to see my granddaughter because I won't get the vaccine. And it it's like this. Uh, I, I which I had two hours with her yesterday, just saying. Well, I, I feel like I'm the one being penalized when I'm a healthy 66-year-old woman and, and I just choose not to want it. And I, I just need your prayers. I just don't know what to do. Uh, Carrie, uh, thank you for the call. I 
pray for you right now, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we see all over the country people saying they are now shunning those who won't get the vaccine, even members of their own family. And Lord, I've called this a cult, and this is this is proof positive because a cult always tries to separate people from even their own families or those whom who most love them and those whom they should most love. But the, the cult's values are more important than family relationships. So we pray for Carrie's family, that they would come to realize she is a free individual, has the right to make her own choices, and that they should not shun her or separate themselves from her, that that is demonic, that that is of the devil. And Father, we thank you and praise you for her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Carrie. Thank you so much for the call. Let's go to Karen in North Carolina. Karen, welcome. Hey, Bishop. Thanks for taking my call today. Hey, well, you know, thank you, Karen, for calling. Speaking of, uh, speaking of Fauci and all the, the governmental rules and their, the spiking in COVID and forcing us to go back to wearing face masks and forcing us to try to get this uh, vaccination shot, I have a small solution. All those illegal aliens that they're bringing across the border, as they put them on the bus or they put them on the plane to ship them up here in the middle of the United States, all of us, why don't they mandatorily give them at least one shot of the vaccination to give them at least a booster to help out a little bit? Yeah, well, um, thank you for the call, Karen. I think think Biden plans to uh, start to to give all these illegal immigrants a vaccine. I've got an even better idea though, frankly, send them back home. They shouldn't be coming into our country this way. It, this is this is just, it's ridiculous. Um, look folks, you all have made some tremendously good points today and I really do appreciate it. Wish I could spend more time talking to each of you, but in order to be fair to those who are waiting I just got a letter today from somebody who told me, I'm writing you because I've never been able to get through on the program. So we want to try to get as many in as we can. Listen, I love you. Pray for me. And remember, no matter what, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.